Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here on a Sunday with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So we love our More Than Mom Sundays. These are episodes where we get to talk about non-parenting topics, topics outside of motherhood that you come back for on Tuesday. But Megan, today's going to be really fun. We are doing listener questions, which we typically do reserve for the more parenting topics. And we decided to open that up and take your listener questions today, but not about parenting. So we've got a really fun variety and we just we love hearing your voices and the voicemails. And we love kind of knowing what you're wondering about. So I'm really excited. Um, I am really excited about this too, because I, it's like every now and then we'll get a question from someone that doesn't quite fit into one of the parenting listener questions. Cause it's just really more like they're curious about something in our lives. And it's really fun to get to, to dive in. I agree. And in this episode, we get asked for advice on a couple of things that we are not at all qualified, a couple, one or two things that we are qualified to give advice about, and at least one that we're not at all. And yet you asked us, so we're going to tell you. We're going to give you advice anyway, even though we don't really have any good stuff, right? <laughs> I so. love it. Well, before we dive in, we just want to quickly talk about something that's been on our minds for a while, and that is Amazon. You all know that we uh, do a lot of linking in our show notes um, to products on Amazon, as do many, many people. Um, and we've kind of just decided to take a step in a different direction. So effective immediately, we're not going to be promoting products via Amazon and Amazon's associates program anymore. Um, that's their affiliate program. So we totally know how convenient Amazon is um, because we've both <laughs> gone through periods of extreme dependence on Amazon. And, you know, here on the Lom Hour, we've really leaned heavily on that associates program because it's easy and because so many people already shop there, but it's like almost like too many people only shop there. Mm -hmm. And it's made us kind of uncomfortable with how much of our, I don't know, redirecting of um, our audience toward products all goes to Amazon. And it's just, it's too much. And we're just decided to take a step in the other direction. Yeah. And you know, actually over the last, I would say year and a half, I have just very quietly personally been challenging myself to expand my options. It's not about never shopping Amazon. I don't think either of us is at that place in our life yet. We certainly don't judge anybody who orders from Amazon. Um, and, you know, there's still the boxes that show up on my porch on occasion. But I have personally gotten a lot out of just challenging myself to think a little bit more broadly, a little bit more locally. Um, and I think we're just at the point with the podcast and with our influence where we think it, it matters um, where we send you all, uh, the types of businesses we recommend. So along those lines, just a couple of things that'll change going forward that you might notice. Anytime we do book lists and over on the blog with our contributors, we actually have quite a few book lists coming out and we know you all love to read. We're going to be using bookshop.org, which is a really great platform for getting 
dollars into the hands of local booksellers. So I'll link so you can read a little bit more about it. We do have an affiliate account at bookshop.org, which means you're also supporting us and the show, but doing so in a way that supports local booksellers. And I think that's really cool because I've lived in places where I didn't actually have a local bookshop that I loved in my area. So I used bookshop.org because I knew it was going to an indie bookseller somewhere. Um, And then beyond that, we're just going to challenge ourselves to recommend small businesses to you, to remind you to shop local in your communities, um, to look into cause-oriented business or women and minority-owned businesses where it makes sense for you to shop that way. And, you know, we're learning as we go here. So we don't have a perfect curated list of small businesses, but I think, Megan, it's more just about challenging ourselves to think bigger than Amazon, which is smaller than Amazon. (laughs) Right. I was going to say bigger than Amazon. Does that even exist? (laughs) And along those same lines, we will actually be launching an affordable option for small businesses that want to advertise on the Mom Hour soon. I know that's been um, kind of a big demand over the past few years, is small, like really small businesses reaching out and wanting to advertise with us. And we just haven't had a really affordable option that made sense for places that are doing smaller volume yet. Um, but we are planning to change that. So keep an eye out because we're going to be putting out uh, a call for applications soon. And I guess I just want to point out that like, in my world, big box stores have a place, but like that's a plural stores. In, and I think that like, you know, we've all gotten so used to how easy it is to shop Amazon that we've kind of eliminated this whole other crew of chain stores that used to get a lot of our attention. So, you know, it's not like we're never going to um, link to those big retailers. We're just going to try to redirect our attention and links that we would have once just sort of knee-jerk automatically pushed to Amazon toward other stores. Maybe we think that they have great service and prices. Maybe they have good shipping deals. Maybe we admire their business practices. Again, this isn't like um, a perfect science. It's more just like spreading the love around a little bit. And it, and it is going to require more work on our part. And we're not going to always vet perfectly. So our goal isn't to like implicitly or explicitly endorse any specific retailers but just to take the focus off this one singular like behemoth corporation as the source of all of the goods. Right, exactly. And and it's also not a boycott. It's like you said, a redirection of resources. And I almost think um, sort of a refocusing of our energy, if, especially if we're going to be making affiliate income off of recommending something, we want to feel really good about it. But even if we're not, even if we're just providing you, you know, a place to go shop, we just want to feel good about it. Um, Amazon's not going to like be sad about this. They're not going to experience any negative effects. This is not like us taking a giant stand on something we're, we're feel super strongly about. It's sort of like a gentle nudge, I think for ourselves. Um, but also that we wanted to talk about publicly with you all, because those choices are intentional that you see in our show notes and how we talk about products. Yeah. So yeah, so while Amazon won't care, isn't listening to this, um, we do feel like we could have a positive impact on some small businesses or maybe the way that some of you shop. And we just want to, we want to try to walk the walk when we can. Yep. And we're not judging anybody again. Um, I'm not disabling my prime account anytime soon, but we are small business owners and we just want to provide more diversity of options. And honestly, just remind ourselves and all of you that like there's other options out there that are convenient and cost-effective and that you can put your payment stuff in and automatically buy and get stuff sent to you uh, quickly. Like it's not one company does not have the lock on those, um, those benefits. I really think that a diverse and competitive business landscape is great for all of us. Good for the economy at large. And we would actually welcome your thoughts. Um, if you have any, after listening to this long, long ramble. 
Yeah, it is a long <laughs> ramble, but it, today's episode is a little bit bringing you behind the scenes, so we felt like this was a good time to chat about it. Um, and with that, we have some listener questions to take after the break, so we'll, we'll be right back. Sarah, I got to ask, have you ever had plantar fasciitis? I have not. Yeah, so it runs in my... Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah. So we're first going to jump into this really fun question from Madeline. Um, she actually sent two questions and we're going to hit them both one after the other. But this first one I think will be quick because I don't think either you or I has a lot to say about this in particular. And that's kind of funny because the way that we're so into our personality tests and things like that, I guess I would think maybe we'd be more into horoscopes, but I don't think either of us really is. Okay, so let's just listen to Madeline's question. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Madeline from Detroit. I know that you guys are super into Enneagram, but I was wondering if you know anything about your Zodiac, specifically if you know your Zodiac big three. That would be your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign. 
Well, this is a, a perfect example of such a fun question that I would never think anyone would wonder about. Um, and it's not super on my radar. So I'm so glad you asked, Madeline. Um, I know that I am an Aquarius. And every time that I read, you know, like Instagram meme level analyses of Aquarians, I feel zero connection to my sign, my star sign. And I always have kind of felt that way. So I think that has prompted me not to dig further in because it's just never felt like I super relate to other Aquarians. I did used to read my horoscope like in the newspaper when I was in my 20s or like in magazines, of course. And I had my star chart done, like my complete time of birth, place, all of that by the dad of a high school friend when I was, I don't know, 17 or something. And I have no memory (laughs) of what it said. Like I thought it was cool at the time. So I don't know. I feel like I'm Zodiac agnostically like I just know that I'm an Aquarius and I don't feel particularly Aquarian how about you Megan so I am a Leo um I would say that about half of it rings very true for me or in certain times of my life rings very true for me and other times does not ring at all true for me I think that there are definitely things about me that are very Leo um you know like being really socially outgoing. Like there's just, you know, wanting to be a leader, um, things like that. And then every now and then it's like, I just don't know that I'm as extra as Leo's are, you know, like supposed to be known to be. Maybe my friends would disagree or maybe Sarah, you're like, what are you kidding? You're so extra. But I just have never really felt like, I feel like I'm a subdued, like a subdued Leo. A sleepy lion. Yes, exactly. With like big fuzzy paws. But you know, my, um, my birthday is at the end of July. And I do think that that puts me somewhere different, like in the chart or whatever, than somebody who was born in August. I, I don't really understand that. But I would say I have a passing curiosity. And there have been times when I've gotten my horoscope on my phone just to read it every day. And then I just was like, okay, this applies like one out of every 10 days that I read it. Um, and so I just thought, well, it feels kind of like a crapshoot. I did read, Sarah, that Aquarius is my opposite sign. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, we are opposites in many ways. We are. um, But the funny thing is you don't identify with Aquarius at all. And I only half identify with Leo. So uh, sorry, Madeline, I think this is probably not the answer you were looking for. Like you probably wanted us to have a fun dish session about our our astrological signs. And I'm just not prepared to do that. But I think they're fun. Yes. And I think (laughs) maybe what she wondered was, are we, are we into them? And I think the answer is not really, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, so Madeline sent in two questions, which I love. So let's listen to Madeline's second question, which is uh, about our homes and home functionality and decor. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Madeline. I was just wondering if you guys could put a purely for fun, frivolous detail in your house, what would it be? I've always thought that it would be fun to have a slide instead of a staircase or one of those secret doors that looks like a bookshelf, something like that. What would you do? Okay. So Sarah, I'm laughing because you told me before we started recording that your idea isn't really that frivolous. And I thought mine was frivolous. And then I realized it's for doing laundry. So I'm going (laughs) to add, I'm going to actually say two, but I'll start with the not so frivolous one because I had this idea when I was like a, I don't know, like a teenager maybe. And I don't think it's been invented yet, but I want it to be. And that is a stacking washer and dryer where when the wash Mm. is done, the bottom opens up and it falls into the dryer and then dries. I know you can buy now washer dryers that do both. I have heard that that's a thing, but I remember thinking like, why do I have to move these wet, heavy clothes? (laughs) 
I don't want to do that. And so if anybody knows if this is a thing, um, I'd love to hear about it, but it just seems obvious to me. It'd just be like a trap door. Um, I also have wondered about that and I'm sure we're not alone. I have heard of the, the dual washer dryer and often I think they're not really as good at either one kind of like yeah. they'll do the job. Um, I also know that in other parts of the world, the way washers and washer dryers are made is quite different. So I'm curious if any of our international listeners have a combination washer dryer or anything we don't know about. Um, that's such a good one. So then do you have a more frivolous one? I do. But but first, I want to ask you one question personally. Have you ever had a washer and or dryer where the door was on the wrong side? Because you can switch those. But oh. I wound up somehow with one where the door to the wa- the washer was on the left of the dryer, which is how it always should be, in my yes. opinion. Yes. But the door had been installed on the right. Okay. So when you went to open the door of the washer, it was a front loader. Mm-hmm it opened to the right. And then when you went to take the clothes out. Oh, you're going around the You're going door. around a door. It was mm-hmm. terrible. And I remember thinking, who did this? Like, who would yeah. do this? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it was like a rental. So maybe the person who got it had, like, was a lefty and had had it installed separately or differently right. before. But I got stuck with it like that. It was terrible. I didn't even know that you could, um, that, that it could go either way. I hadn't thought about that. I am spatially very challenged, but no, mine is on the left and on the right now. And the door opens correctly. I'm picturing it now. Okay. So the frivolous, if it was going purely for fun and frivolity, I would have a swim up bar, mm. which would really be interesting because I only could, I only have pool weather three months of the year here. So having <laughs> a swim up bar would be like the ultimate in frivolity. Yes. So there you go. Well, the one I thought of first was something that I think people do have in their homes. It's not like completely fantastical, but it is a Dutch door. So I love open air weather. I live in a place where doors and windows can be open a lot of the year. And I love that image of opening the top half of the door wide open, letting in the breeze, but like dogs and kids and I don't know, spiders and squirrels and dirt and stuff, the the bottom half stays closed. And there's something just very... I don't know, romantic about that idea of like leaning out over the half door to Mm -hmm. call to a neighbor or something. And, and yet I have been in modern houses that totally have these and you can probably go to Home Depot and buy one or go online and replace a door with a Dutch door. So it's not that fantastical, but I've never had one. Have you ever lived in a house with a Dutch door? I'm thinking I have at one point. I don't remember when, but like, I feel like that's been part of my life at some point, not that long ago. Um, I feel like if you were going to do that, you'd have to have a llama. (laughs) <laughs> to to feed like that would come well, over for a, a yeah nibble? because the llama would be tall enough to put its head through <laughs> the top side and then you could like I don't know talk to him feed him that's the frivolous part yes or even just a pony like a backyard pony or, a pony, or like backyard one pony. of the farm animals wander over like the cow sticks its <laughs> nose in <laughs> I love this um, idea but then I did think on top I mean if we're going way out there like a spiral staircase tower room would be pretty mm. awesome Like where the only thing at the top of the spiral staircase was like a little circular or octagonal writing room or potions room or like in, you know, like in the Harry Potter castles, the owl, the owlry. Um, That would be pretty amazing. I'm just picturing like a suburban house with a random turret that just sticks up the side. Do they call do they call that a a garret or is a garret like a little attic? I never really know which one is which. Well, listeners will correct us. I thought Garrett was just an old fashioned English word for attic. Like I thought it, okay. a Garrett is an attic, but I could be very wrong about that. Not to be mistaken for garage, which is um, 
I guess how garage. Brits say garage. Yeah. And there's a couple songs where they say garage. I think there's like an Elton John song where he says something about a garage. And I, I had no idea. I thought that was like something growing up else. that was something else. Like, I'm like, what is this garage? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. Actually, that sets up uh, our next question because Rebecca lives in London. So there you go. See oh, what we nice. did there. Oh, that was totally not intentional on my part. Good morning, ladies. It's Rebecca here from London. I have a listener question for you, probably more than mom hour one. But I was wondering, are there ever any topics that you have thought for an episode that just failed? I'm curious either if you've started episodes and just said, nope, not having it, or just episodes that you guys kind of were brainstorming and just said never going to happen. Yeah, I'm just really curious about that. All right. Well, Rebecca, we love you. Rebecca's a longtime listener and so supportive in the Facebook group. And I do love listening to her talk because I believe Rebecca's born in the U.S. but has lived in the U.K. a long time. So it's like a hybrid accent. Um, I would say in answer to this question, we have not gotten all the way down the path of outlining or preparing an episode and then pulled the plug because we realized we didn't want to talk about it, which I think is what Rebecca's asking. But I do think there's similar versions of that in a few ways. And one is that when we brainstorm episode topics, there are definitely things that we just say, eh, I don't really feel like talking about that, or I'm, I don't feel right. prepared to have that conversation. I'm, I'm, I don't even have specific examples, but actually one that comes up a fair amount is marriage and love and relationships. It's something we get asked about all the time. And I think we just don't really go there because it feels like our personal anecdotes feel a little too personal, at least for me and our general knowledge. We're not qualified to give general marriage advice. So there are definitely topics that come up, listeners request them, other podcasts tackle them. People say, hey, what could you do an episode on that? And we will just sort of like via the internet, look at each other and be like, man, I don't think we're going to. So that was like yeah. the way I feel about it is we don't usually get all the way down the line of outlining something, but there are definitely topics we just have not really tackled over the years. And it's never, it's not like never, it's possible that an opportunity will come up to talk about something in a way that feels more comfortable or more timely or something. But there are a handful of things that were just like, man, I don't think so. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, that, you know, not episodes don't we, we've never bailed. We've never gotten like halfway into an episode and then been like, this isn't going well. Let's bail. But we definitely know that some are stronger than others. And you don't always yeah. know until you get in, like, what will we have enough to say? Will the things we have to say feel, I don't know, smart and helpful and insightful and not just like, we don't know. So, you know, I think that we have a pretty good um sense of perspective about the fact that like not every topic we try to tackle is going to be a knock it out of the park amazing episode and like that's just kind of what you get because we're yep. not going to bail on it just because it's not the best and so maybe sometimes there's value in us just trying to work through something out loud I don't know yep. um it has been kind of funny the times that we've thought we haven't done a topic and then it turns out we totally <laughs> just did that topic like that's happened more than once well, that happened recently. And talk about Rebecca's question of like getting far down the line and pulling the plug. I had an idea for an episode about kids, haircuts and hairstyles. You were like, OK, sure. And I went all the way. I was out. We were about to record. We were like 15 minutes away from recording. And I was outlining this episode with questions and bullet points. And I was like having this really bad deja vu sense. And I was like, this feels really familiar. And I searched our site and not only had we done it, but we had done it in inside of two years. So there are some topics, of course, we'll revisit things like meal planning and grocery shopping. And there are things that, of course, we don't mind revisiting. But this was like a blatant. It was like I was plagiarizing myself, basically. We had done yes. it quite recently. And 
there was no new twist or no approach. I was basically outlining the exact same episode we had already done. And and that type of thing does happen where we're like, did we just talk about this or was that six years ago? And sometimes we have a very bad sense of which is which. Well, and the funny thing was when you were when you were telling me about your idea, I was like, gosh, that sounds familiar. But I I just didn't think like it never would occur to me that you would have just forgotten. So I thought, well, it must be one of those that we talked about doing but didn't do because that happens mm-hmm. a lot, too. Like we'll get so far down, like we'll have like a long Voxer message where you and I have essentially out like outlined the whole topic, but we don't actually get it on our calendar and record it until much, much later, sometimes never. So I was like, oh, we must have just talked about it. I guess that was it. And it yeah. turns out we just were ripping ourselves off. And um, as a writer, I've done that many times, by the way, where I've written something yeah. and been like, this is so good. No, I don't think that. But I'll think, wow, this is like, it's like, I feel like I've read this before. And then it turns out it's because I actually wrote it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, that was a fun question, Rebecca. So thank you for sending it in. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, we are back, and we have a question from Elisa, and this came in by email. So she said, I enjoy writing and have always wanted to start a blog, but have yet to do it, partly because I don't have a super clear idea for a theme or focus. Any advice on getting started with writing? Hmm. 
this is tough because um, blogging and writing are like, uh, like they're the same, but different. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like you can get started writing and never start a blog. And there's a lot of bloggers who do very little writing, but have a, you know, an active blog with lots of photos and things. So just making that distinction is helpful because if you really want to do is write, there may be other ways to do it. Like maybe writing an essay every now and then and seeing you could place it in a local parenting magazine or something. That's just an example or on mm-hmm. a website. Um, for a blog, I find it helpful to have a very clear, clear theme or focus because if I don't, I get really caught up in like, what I could write about, which means I don't write about anything, but I know there are lots of personal bloggers who purposely don't want to have a theme or a focus and just like to write about whatever they want to write about when they want to write about it. And Sarah, I think you kind of were more of that sort of blogger. Like you didn't really want the pressure of having a super um, strong focus for your personal blog because you already had other ways that you were, you know, writing more um, in a more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like structured fashion. Yeah, except I also wasn't ever a very dedicated personal blogger. Like I gave up really quickly. So I'm not sure that was a successful model. I relate a lot to Elisa. I mean, I think that was me when you met me. I knew I wanted to write, Megan, and I knew I wanted to write probably about motherhood and parenting, but I really had no idea how or where to start. So I guess a couple of things that come to mind if you are an idea person, like, and this is, this is a little bit like me, I would go through my day as like a stay at home mom with little kids and just think of like anecdotes and essay ideas and funny observations. And then it, it was frustrating to me because I, I didn't know then what to do with them next. Is this like a humor essay? Is this a social media post? Social media wasn't quite as righty at that time, but now it is. I mean, you see like micro blogs on Instagram So it might be helpful, Elisa, to really track all of your writing ideas with no other objective in the beginning and just have an easy, quick way to do that on your phone or in a journal, because that might tell you something. If you if you really have a more journalistic tendency, you might it might be better, like you said, Megan, to pitch stories to online parenting magazines if you want to actually like dig really deep into a topic and reach a wider readership and like, you know, spend a couple of weeks like wrestling with a story. If what you want is to post a, an image with some reflections, that's much more personal to you. That might look more like a personal blog. So I would say kind of taking a curious look at what you think you want to write about without even giving, worrying about the, the end output just yet. So that was one idea. The other idea I had is I think there are a lot of great, um, mom writer communities now that do things like a daily writing prompt or a challenge. I know Coffee and Crumbs has their exhale creative community that we can link to in the show notes. And I think sometimes, and I was definitely this way, if I had an assignment or a prompt and I had to do it, I was much more likely to show up for myself. Now, for other people, that might feel like too much, too restrictive. So I think it's very much like how you tick, like your personality. But I do think that there are quite a few um, online... I don't know what you would even call them, like creative community types. And and it doesn't have to be about like, how do I make money blogging? Or how do I set up a successful blog? How do I get more followers? It's much more about kind of the accountability piece of the, the creativity accountability or accountability on your creativity, which I think would be really helpful because if you're showing up and writing every day, you're going to learn things about yourself and you're going to learn things about what you do and don't want to do. Oh, and then the hashtag yeah. am writing podcast is always great. And Jess and KJ have been doing it now for like a really long time, four or five years. Um, and it's so engaging and fun to listen to. And they are career professional writers, both fiction, nonfiction, articles, 
research-based journalist stuff. And, um, but it's a very accessible podcast to listen to. So if you like podcasts, that might be motivating as well. We'll link to all that. Yeah. And I guess I would just add one thing, Sarah, that you touched on. And that is that the practice of writing is what makes writing honestly more fun and more, um, more of a habit. And you get to know your voice better. You just get more confident. You start coming up with more ideas. And so like, like really treating it as something you do, even when you don't feel like it. Um, and like, I love the idea of having, you know, even though sometimes I'm not a big prompts person, having a community around you where everyone's writing is super duper helpful. Um, and it just kind of puts you in that mindset. The other thing is like, not every written thing has to be super long. Um, I have a lot of fun doing little micro essays on Instagram. I think that's a really fun challenge because you have to take an idea and distill it down to, you know, a couple hundred words, if that, and it's just, um, it's a different kind of challenge, but I think it's still writing, right? So like, don't be too like in a box about what writing means or what writing is. And, um, yeah, and just keep, keep doing it. I know I've had times I've been a professional writer for over 18 years and there are still times that I fall off the wagon and just don't write for a while. And it's harder to get back into it when you're out of practice than if you just keep going. Yeah, I would agree with that. And because we don't know Elisa at all or what type of writing she wants to do, I would just echo that um, there are many opportunities to kind of scratch the writing itch. If if you are more of like a marketing and communications type person who just isn't, maybe you're not working right now or you're out, you've been out of that game, um, things like volunteering with one of your school organizations in a communications position or helping out a, a friend, ed- helping edit you know, written copy for a website. I personally really like business writing and business communications and, and that's my background. So not all writing also has to be personal. It doesn't have to be about you and your kids. And so I don't know, I feel like we've probably opened more questions for Elisa than answered them, but, um, we will link to a couple of those resources in the show notes. And, and I know there are quite a few writer moms in our community, so it's exciting. Okay. So Sarah, I feel like this is one where I'm going to have very little actual helpful advice (laughs) to give, but you probably will have some ideas because you actually have a real landscape. So this question comes from Ashley. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Thanks again for all you do. Love listening to the podcast. I had a question for your more than mom episode and it's to do with plants. People who had a house before us, they loved gardening and taking care of their plants. And I do not And my yard is currently a bit of a mess. We're getting everything ripped out soon and starting over. So I wondered if you had any tips and tricks of things that you've come up with for a nice looking landscape at your house that doesn't involve a whole lot of work. I would appreciate any ideas you have because I really don't know what I'm doing. Thank you. Okay, Ashley. Well, what I could be totally wrong, but what I'm hearing come through in this voicemail is Ashley feeling like somebody has adulted their way through this and has figured it all out and cracked the code. And one of the biggest learning experiences for me as a homeowner, but especially in the last 14 months in this current home, is I am learning more and more that most people are winging it. And I think you can apply that to like literally everything, life, parenting, homeownership, Um, So while I totally love the idea of a blank slate and wanting to set up some easy, low maintenance yard solutions, one of the things that's been so surprising to me with our yard, and we have, we moved into this house. It's on a much bigger piece of property than I've ever had. There's avocado trees. There's some fruit trees. 
there's some what I'll call like pretty landscaping, like that someone had designed and now we are paying to maintain. But then there's also some wild stuff. There's beautiful oak trees and and some of the more natural stuff. And we've had professional tree guys come out to educate us about our trees. We've had landscapers and we've really tried to learn about what's here on our property so we can take care of it. And I will tell you that just like any other industry, people have different opinions that don't always match up. People have different personal aesthetics of what they want. So my my first recommendation to Ashley is that you you're going to learn by experimenting and you will be as knowledgeable about your own yard, what looks good, what you like and what's easy to take care of by more by trial and error than by any magical solution. And I feel like that's a lesson I am learning in home ownership over and over and over again. And then after that, I would just say your local nursery, the more hyper local you can get, the better advice you'll get because blogs and websites and things like that are great for the visual aesthetics. And you could make like almost like a mood board of, I think this kind of yard looks really pretty, but the people who will know whether it's, um, whether it will work in your area, um, how much it will cost to water it. I I can't help but be a Californian. So much of landscape choices here is being drought resistant and or like trying to stick with natural, you know, things that naturally grow in this climate. Otherwise, you're going to be paying for a lot of water. So I don't know. Ashley, I think you're more prepared for this than you think you are. I think I would echo that and just say that um, it is always amazing to me how much work it is to really build a landscape either from scratch or from not scratch. So like thinking about, I know that that feeling of like ripping everything out and then having that blank slate, um, I can totally see the temptingness of it. And it's also like, oh my gosh, then you have to fill it all. Or you kind of have to be okay with it just not looking amazing maybe for a year or two while you're figuring it out or while plants are growing. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I, I don't have tips or tricks. I really love that cottage garden look where it's like just, a mass of flowers and things and there's no mowing. I love the idea of that. But when I think sometimes about what it would actually take for me to like what I'd have to sort of live through to get it there. And then I'm like, well, I don't know. Do I really want my yard to yeah. look like I, I just didn't mow it for a couple of years? So I don't know. I'm not, but I'm by no means an expert, but Sarah, I think you're totally right that like your local nursery is a great, um, a great resource and that none of us have this as figured out as it might seem. Uh, unless that's actually like what we went to college for. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I do think one thing I've noticed is once you have an awareness for a certain home opportunity, then everywhere you look, you see examples. So I think it is fun to walk your neighborhood or walk your, um, like somewhere in your town or your city. So we don't even know from this voicemail if like what part of the country. Right, I know, yeah. So like I'm such a Californian and you're a Michigander and it could be so different climate wise or, you know, what's what's even possible. But I do think walking around and keeping a little journal or taking pictures on your phone, making a little folder of pictures on your phone of things that you like, you'd be surprised how even just starting to know what you like the look of, then you can start to ask questions at the local nursery or See if a local landscape designer will do a complimentary consult. Not, And I'm not talking about like taking advantage of somebody, but you might even learn something, even if you're going to DIY the whole thing, you might learn something by having somebody out to give you a quote on lawn if you're okay. going to do lawn. So I think it's like it's a little bit of um, these things feel so intimidating when you've never done them. But it sounds like actually starting with the intention of like, I want this to be easy to maintain. I want it to look nice. 
Um, and I think you can kind of trust yourself and go from there and just start. Agreed. Well, this has been really fun. And thanks to everybody who sent along your more than mom related um, listener questions. We always love, I don't know, thinking about these kind of fluffier things that are not necessarily related to parenting, um, but we will be back for those of you who want actual parenting topics. We'll be back on Tuesday with parenting related listener questions. We have a great lineup of those and we're excited to dig into those as well. We'll talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.